Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. the 176th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And an onside kick across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Uh, just uh, just a quick note that these uh, Steelers color rush jerseys, uh, to give you a side NFL note, are actually really cool looking. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, we appreciate that. Um, but we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who will be doing his best Steve Harvey impression in class this week. <laughs> it's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I give it a kids a uh, family feud type game after taking a big test. Make it an easy Friday for them. But, hey, just fun stuff over the wire today. Well, actually it came out late yesterday. But San Diego State, they're getting some new digs. Uh, voters approved SDSU to be able to build a new stadium. Uh, they get out of that decrepit old pro stadium. They're going to be in a really nice 35,000-seat stadium that can be expanded to 50 if necessary down the line. Uh, no taxpayer money is going to be involved. No raise in tuition. Uh, looks like a win-win-win for the university because they're also going to add some academic buildings to the campus part that gets developed. Uh, win for the Aztec Athletic Department. Win for the people of San Diego that support Aztec football. This, this is a great idea. Yeah, uh, especially if the stadium is going to be back on campus. Um, that's just a huge, you know, uh, a boon for the program at that point because no one wants to travel over to. I don't even know what they call it at this point. Um, uh, to me, it's still the Murph. Jack Murphy? Yeah. All right. Well, we can keep calling it that. Um, there are a ton of games to get to uh, for this week. Nothing like super marquee, but a lot of good matchups around the country. So we'll start with some quick slants. Josh, I know you had a couple games that caught your eye. Yeah, my first quick slant is going to be two uh, group of five matchups. South Florida and Cincinnati play a de facto semifinal game because they have to both play Central Florida. And if they're going to have any hope of winning the division, someone needs to win this game, and someone obviously will. Uh, It's going to be an exciting one. It's going to be up in Nippert Stadium there in Cincinnati. I was a little surprised that the whole like FPI thing gives Cincinnati an 84.4% chance of winning. I know the Bulls have played a little up and down, but they're still a team with a, a seven and two record. You would think that they would I, I, I will say though, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's defense is pretty nasty. Yeah, it is. And you would expect that with a Luke Fickle coach team. The other one is down there in the Sun Belt, just a, a hop, skip, and a jump away from coach's old stomping ground. Troy heads to Georgia Southern. Uh, this is a huge game for that division in the Sun Belt. Uh, Troy comes in 5-0 and in conference. 
Georgia Southern four and one. So a lot on the line should be a very fun game as these are very well coached teams. Yeah, that'll definitely be a good one. Uh, Coach, uh, uh, Alabama knocked off LSU last week, shut them out. In fact, Uh, this week they get to take on Mississippi state, but I'm not sure if Mississippi state's anemic offense would be able to get anything going against the tide. I'm afraid not. Uh, They're too inconsistent. And if you're inconsistent against a team like Alabama, um, better watch out. Better uh, better batten down the hatches, as they say. It's going to get ugly, um, especially on the road if you're Mississippi State. Now, they might surprise us and actually have a good first quarter, but um, I think two is not going to play the fourth quarter in this one. It's going to be it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's it. It should be out. Mississippi State is ranked, and while they have a very good defense, their offense has just been putrid this season. So. Anyway, for another game that I'm expecting to be a blow blowout, my first slant uh, is going to talk about Wisconsin Penn State. Both these teams have had, you know, kind of disappointing seasons uh, coming into the year with big expectations. Wisconsin heads to Happy Valley Saturday, and the biggest issue for the Badgers is going to be their defense, specifically the run defense. They just lost senior nose tackle Olive Sagapolu for the rest of the season, leaving in even uh, making the banged up defensive line even thinner than it already was. Penn State uh, has been at their best when they've been able to get Miles Sanders going. I don't expect that to be too difficult between the injuries for the Badgers and the fact that last week Raheem Blackshear from Rutgers torched the Badgers defense. He had 200 all-purpose yards in Madison. The only possible way for my beloved Badgers to win this week is to do what Michigan did last week, and that's basically cram the ball down the throats and turn the clock against Penn State. Josh, I don't have any faith in the Badgers to pull the upset, do you? No, I mean, just we, we were talking about it on the air, and you just touched on it, the nose tackle situation, quarterback situation, just the, the team's mess. Yeah, it's it's not a good look right now for the Badgers. Uh, Josh mentioned the quarterback situation. Alex Hornerbrook is not going to be able to go. It does not look like this weekend. Um, anyway, Josh, uh, for your second slant, uh, what have you got for us? Yeah, I got a four-pack of some exciting Power 5 games that might be flying under the radar. The first is the upstart Cal Golden Bears. They're just 2-4 and four in conference, but they are 5-4 and four overall. They're trying to get to a bowl game, get that little bit of a breakthrough type season. They head down to the Coliseum. Georgia, they are the opposite. They're 4-3, and three and they're in the conference and actually – kind of sniffing around the division still, but at five and four overall and Clay Helton, things kind of trending down. Feels like every loss they take this year is a step closer to him getting fired. Let's see if they could come out and knock off the Golden Bears. Uh, Baylor heads to our lovable Iowa State team. And as hot as Iowa State's been and as up and down as Baylor's been, I think people would be a little bit surprised to know that they come in with identical five wins through this point of the season. So some bull hopes on the line. Iowa State obviously with a little bit of higher aspirations as they still have a great shot at the Big 12 title game. So we'll see if Purdy and at Iowa State defense can keep it rolling against the Bears. Staying in the Big 12, you got Texas coming off an emotional loss, heading to Texas Tech, also kind of coming off an emotional loss where their quarterback got hurt again, Bowman, uh, had another lung issue. 
after taking a big hit. But for Texas kind of losing out on the playoffs, taking a huge hit in the Big 12 title race, uh, you have to wonder if they're going to be up for this game. And you know going to Lubbock is never fun. You know the Red Raiders are going to want to knock them off. And finally, in the ACC, Virginia Tech, all sorts of erratic this year, kind of junky overall, just four and four on the season, but three and two in conference and kind of sniffing around the division. They head to Pittsburgh, who's five and four, but believe it or not, four and one in conference. So Pat Narduzzi's team somehow finds themselves in the driver's seat of the division. It's crazy, but this is a, a good old Big East rivalry. I think we might get to actually see a fun game in this one, despite two very odd overall records. Uh, Coach, uh, this weekend down in the swamp, the Gators have lost two in a row and are going to try to rebound against South Carolina. But it looks like uh, Kyle Trask is going to be able to play. He came in in relief for Felipe Franks last week, and he was injured today in practice, got carted off, and does not look like he'll be able to go this weekend. Uh, What are you expecting to see from this one? Ooh, uh, this game could get – this game could – it couldn't turn sideways for Florida. I mean, they're they're really struggling. They're really scuffling. They're just – I mean, it's a team – they're finally playing like the team we thought they were going to play like this year. Not saying that uh, – not saying Dan Mullen has done a terrible job this year, but it's just kind of what he was uh, what he was left with. So, um, I mean, you still got Emory Jones uh, sitting there on, on the bench. He's a freshman dual threat kid. He can actually throw the ball. He can actually sling it. So, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt, uh, to see Florida if things get really ugly, just, just roll with the kid. Um, but, uh, they're going to look down, uh, the, the Gamecocks are staring bowl eligibility. Um, they can, they can lock it up with a win, um, for a third consecutive year under must champ which uh, seeing where they came from, they kind of fell off the wagon under Spurrier. Um, and so they, they need to uh, they need to keep bouncing back. But um, it's one of those things where Jake Bentley, uh, he, uh, he threw for 363 yards and two touchdowns against Ole Miss a week ago. So he's red hot right now. Uh, Debo Samuel's looking to get off against that, uh, against that secondary that's susceptible to the, to the big play in the passing game. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting because both of these teams are kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're going to get out of each of them. And and I think that kind of goes with their head coaches' personalities. Both head coaches are uh, not quite wired properly. Uh, one of them is a loose cannon. The other one's just a strange dude. Um, so both these teams kind of play like their head coaches' personalities. Freaking emotional roller coaster. So, I mean – Florida could come out, blow out South Carolina. South Carolina could do the same to Florida. It could be an overtime slugfest where nobody really scores anything. It could be a track meet. I mean, this is one of those games where you go in almost expecting anything, really. So um, this one I'm just going to say buckle your seatbelt. Yeah, I could see this going one of two ways. I could either see uh, South Carolina – 
uh, lighting them up and putting up some big numbers and Florida just being so despondent about the fact that their offense can't really move the ball that they end up giving up, you know, 35, 40, 45 and losing by three, four touchdowns. Or, you know, I think their defense could really show up and make it a, you know, a, a, a close game. But uh, Josh mentioned uh, one Pac-12 matchup in uh, his earlier slant, and uh, there are two others I want to take a look at as well. Uh, the first one that caught my eye is Oregon at Utah. Uh, Redshirt freshman Jason Shelley will be making his first career start for the Utes, falling the broken collarbone to Tyler Huntley. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to knock Huntley out for the rest of the season. Shelley, uh, much more of a dual threat guy than Huntley is, good scrambler, Arm's a little bit questionable, though, uh, and fortunately for the Utes, it was when Huntley and the passing game got on track, it really ignited their run in September and October. To make matters worse, it was announced today that leading rusher Zach Moss will also miss at least this weekend's game, if not the rest of the season. I like Oregon in this spot, obviously, just with the injuries on Utah's offense. But that 42-21 win last week over UCLA was a bit deceiving in the final score. They had... Uh, Oregon had a short th- three touchdowns on three very short fields. I, th- I think at least two of them started inside the UCLA 20. So I still think they have some things to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. Fortunately for them though, uh, Oregon's off, uh, sorry, Utah's offense is probably not going to be looking as good this week as it has over the past month and a half. Elsewhere in the conference, Colorado is hoping to play spoiler to number eight, Washington state, who is the Pac-12's last chance for a playoff team. The Buffs have lost four in a row. Their defense has been especially porous in the process. They're giving up over 35 points per game over that stretch. On the flip side, the Cougars now have won five straight, and they're doing it not only with the typical pirate-based offense, but they also have a much stouter defense than we're used to seeing. Talked about Tracy Clay's ad nauseum, but he's doing an excellent job with that defense up there on the Palouse. Speaking of that Cougar offense, though, they're up to fifth in uh, efficiency nationally, and a lot of that has to do with Gardner Minshew, who is the focus of our pop quiz. So, gentlemen, uh, take out your number two pencils, grab your blue books. Gardner Minshew has joined an elite club this year. He went over 3,000 yards passing in just his team's eighth game of the season. He became the 15th player since the year 2000 to accomplish this feat. So, gentlemen, you are tasked tonight to name the 14 other players. Uh, Three have done it multiple times. And uh, I will give you a hint. No Hawaii quarterbacks have accomplished this feat, surprisingly enough. So, uh, Josh, I will throw it to you first. Well, that takes away my first two guesses. Because I jotted down Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang. Uh, So I guess I will skip all the way down to my third pick. And this is a guy who's had a little bit of an up-and-down NFL career, but I think people sometimes overlook the fact that he was outstanding down there at Houston as a collegiate quarterback. I'm going to go with Case Keenum. That's correct. He's the only player to do it three times uh, in 2008, 2009, and 2011. Uh, His best of those was the 2009 season. He had almost 3,300 yards after eight games. Coach. All right. uh, First guess for me is going to be none other than Graham Harrell of the Texas Tech Raiders. Graham Harrell has also done it twice. Uh, He did back-to-back years, 2007-2008. Well done, Coach. Josh? Well, that was another one of my guesses, so that's uh, 
going to shorten my list a little bit. Um, so I am going to go with a little bit off the wall, but it's somebody that seems like we talk a lot about when we get these trivia questions. And even though it was a little bit long ago, he passed for so many yards. I'm going to gamble with Ty Detmer. So if you would listen to what I said, it was since the year 2000. Oh, okay. Well, then... Uh, I'm going to give you a mulligan on that one. All right. Well... That's we'll, worth four strikes. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just rewind. Go, we'll just rewind the tape. And I will then go... I will then go with someone a lot more modern, which is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. That is correct. Uh, back in 2016. Hi, I threw for, uh, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I threw for uh, over 3,000 yards, and I got there pretty quickly. If anyone has heard the Patrick Mahomes' real voice, it is a, a spectacle to take in. Pretty close to that. It Other is. Than, did, did Ty Detmer do it, though, at least? I, I don't have, I, I cannot find that information. Sports reference, or I should say collegefootballreference.com for these kind of cumulative statistics. I can only go back to the year 2000. I'm I'm gonna look it up right now. I'll fi- okay. I'll find fi- Ty Detmer. Okay, okay, uh, Coach, you are up in the meantime. All right, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, well, didn't Tua do it in one game? <laughs> um, anyway, no real real answer. Uh, your your favorite Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Sorry, he did not coach. That is your first strike. Ooh. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I do like Baker Mayfield in terms of the university. Mm-hmm. So I will say mm, Landry Jones. Oh, good pull, Josh. Good pull. That is correct. Back in 2011, he barely went over 3,094 yards. All right, uh, I, I he carved up my Bulldogs in 2011, um, and he I think he got half his yards in one game. Uh, his name is Kellen Moore, the Boise State Broncos, 2011. Ooh. I was alive and in color. Uh, sorry, Coach, that's your second strike. He had 3,800 3, yards. He did and not have 3,000, but I had through eight games, unfortunately. Hmm. He didn't get all his yards. Uh, playing freaking Wyoming, <laughs> playing UNLV, playing San Jose State. That's it. Hmm. I'm going to stay with the Oklahoma well and try another Oklahoma quarterback. How about the glass man himself, Sam Bradford? Mm-hmm. Strike one, Josh. Huh. Uh, the only Oklahoma quarterback to do so was Landry Jones. Oh, okay. Well, I was I was gonna then head on to Jason White. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, man, I'm I'm like reeling here. I I felt really good about Baker Mayfield and Kellen Moore, but I guess not. <sighs> Luke Falk. Good call, Luke Falk. Twenty fifteen, thirty two hundred thirty nine. Nice. 
Hmm. Gosh. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the the university that coach just went to. How about Connor Holiday? Connor Holiday is also correct. Uh, back in 2014, he actually has um, the second most in three games. He has 3,833 yards. I mean, this is just ridiculous. How can I not find Ty Detmer's game-by-game stats from the late 80s? I mean, this is just... What is the internet for, if not that? <laughs> I know. Goats. Oh, boy. Um, all right. It's uh, my next guest. He won the Heisman Trophy. His name is Marcus Mariota. Nope. Sorry, Coach. You have struck out. Oh. Uh, Josh, anyone else off the top of your head? You've already won four to two. James Winston. Nope. <laughs> there are no uh, Heisman Trophy winners on this list. The Weed Man? Brandon Whedon. Nope, but there is a Brandon. Oh, is that the... Kid from Western Kentucky? Brandon Doty, baby. He did it twice, back-to-back seasons. Um, Roethlisberger? Nope. Miami? Nope. Uh, I was just thinking about someone who would have gotten to go against some strong... Philip Rivers? Nope. Eli Manning? <laughs> no. Uh, Joff? Jared Joff? Uh, Jared Goff, nope. Um... The guys you were missing, Sonny Cumbie from Texas Tech actually has the record. Um, sorry, he's he was not, too old. No, Sonny Cumbie from 2004. Sorry, he actually does. He doesn't have the record. Sorry, the different quarter, Texas Tech quarterback, BJ Simons, has the record 3,914 yards through eight games. Other players you mixed, Nick Florence from Baylor, Garrett Gilbert, uh, not when he was at Texas, but when he was at SMU. Uh, Cody Hodges from Texas Tech as well. Chase Holbrook from New Mexico State. Matt Johnson from Bowling Green. And uh, Sean Mannion from Oregon State. Mm. So, well done. Uh, Coach, you get a gentleman C. Josh, you've got a uh, B-plus bordering on A-minus. Nice. C's get degrees. Yes, they do. Uh, All right, well. Just, like, I mean, just doing some arithmetic here. So, you have to average 375 yards per game through your first eight to hit 3,000. Yeah, so back in the day, uh, BYU only played 11 game seasons, mm-hmm. and then plus the bowl. So in 89, in 12 games that he played, Ty Detmer had 4,560 yards. Mm-hmm. That's putting him in the ballpark. Yeah, it is. 1990, I think he would have had to have done it, because in all 12 games – he passed for a total of 5,188 yards. Well, unfortunately, I mean, I can, we, we, I can go back and find uh, and, and do the calculations for the next show. Can't do it on top. FY, just FYI that season. <laughs> uh, how about this for a touchdown to interception ratio? 41 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. Wait, 28 interceptions? Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I, I believe that's what we refer to as Rutgers numbers. Uh, yeah, but yet they still finished ten and three, seven and one in conference, and were third in the country in points. Oh, my goodness. 
Well, I don't think we'll see that many points this weekend between uh, Auburn and Georgia in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, it's going on this weekend in Sanford Stadium. Coach, Auburn, still some pretty impressive guys on their defensive side of the ball, though. Uh, how are your dogs going to scheme around that? Well, they're just going to have to uh, kind of do what they've been doing the last week and a half. Uh, when I say week and a half, I mean the second half of the Florida game and the Kentucky game. Uh, just mix up the run in the pass and just keep them off balance. Uh, they did a great job of it against Kentucky. They they had two guys go over 100, as I mentioned in, in uh, Monday's recap, and uh, they had Jake Fromm just go off as well. And uh, they're just going to have to have the same kind of game plan and just kind of mix it up and get those guys off balance, uh, take shots when you need them, and then just kind of wear them down defensively. And uh, honestly, they'll probably, uh, they'll probably wear down. Their defense will be exhausted because their offense can't do anything, so. Well, yeah, Josh, I wanted to ask, ask about Auburn's offense because they seem to have at least found a little bit of a ground game now. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I, I think it's just a matter of time going up back up against an elite team. Just uh, Auburn doesn't have it this year, and I'm with Coach. I think, I think the Tigers will be pretty exhausted for being out in the field a whole lot and uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if this one, quite frankly, gets away from Auburn and, and in a few days when we're doing our show on Monday, talking about, like, how'd this turn into a half a hundred points for Georgia and how they win by 45? I mean, it, it really- well, I know that, I know that's how Coach hopes it ends up going, but... I, I but- hope it. I hope that, but <laughs> I, know, I, I don't you- think it'll get that ugly... Um, so, do you think that we'll see more Justin Fields this week than we have in the past couple? Yeah, I mean, I, every time I say yes, he ends up not playing. Anytime I say yeah, he's pretty much done. He ends up uh, going out there and getting a few wildcat runs. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, they use him against Kentucky as like a wildcat quarterback, but I don't think he actually threw the ball, did he? He dropped back once with the intention of throwing, and then he freaked out and tried to run and got sacked. <laughs> so yes hmm. all right well let's head then to uh our other co-host uh team josh uh northwestern is seemingly always a bugaboo for both your hawkeyes and my badgers the wildcats are in your hometown this week and how do you think that nate stanley and the rest of the offense will fare against that pretty stout northwestern defense I guess it comes down to play calling. Uh, oh, I, great, Brian Ferentz. This is what you want. Yeah, I I really think that this Iowa team is, quite frankly, being let down by their coaches. And you know, we we saw it with the Wisconsin loss, not knowing how to field a punt. Saw it with the Penn State game, no offensive points. Even the touchdown was generated by the special teams having a fake field goal. Mm-hmm. You you just can't sustain that against good teams. And Northwestern, yeah, I know they're 5-4 and four overall. They, they lost to a good Duke team, uh, lost to a really good Michigan team, lost to a really good Notre Dame team. They played a tough schedule, uh, but they're 4-1 and one in the division. They control their own destiny for a reason. They, they have a knack at making you really one-dimensional – that's scary for a team like Iowa that has struggled to run the ball at times this year. And Iowa has also fought with one hand tied behind their back. And that is just 
ignoring their best players for vast stretches. Um, th- there have been games this year with, where Noah Fant will have no targets in the first half. And you're just sitting there thinking, what's going on? And, you know, you want to be a positive person and say, well, you know, the other team is smart too. They probably game plan for it. But it's like, you know, Fant's supposed to be the best tight end in college football. He's supposed to be a surefire thing in the NFL. Like, you got to counteract whatever the other team's throwing at you and find a way to get your best players the damn ball. Yeah, Coach, Northwestern, to me, you know, they are 5-1 and one in conference, but it still seems like smoke and mirrors. Jeremy Larkin is still their leading rusher, and he hasn't played since, like, game five, I don't think, um, because he retired from football. Clayton Thorson, 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions on the year. I, I mean, Coach, can you explain how Northwestern keeps winning these games? Uh, I think they lull the other team to sleep. Um, <laughs> they just, I don't know. They They're do. Th- Josh, I think you're. I think Josh, I think you're. Sorry to cut you off, Coach. But I think you're fortunate that the game is not in Evanston because games in Evanston, I think, just like teams just literally fall asleep before they come on the field. It's just like such a weird environment, and they're just so fortunate, lucky. They 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 somehow get a bounce one way or the other, or Thorson just somehow avoids a rush, and you know, it just seems like. It just seems like it's dead, 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 dead. And then all of a sudden they make it Eli Manning play from the Super Bowl where he evades three rushers and throws it up and somebody catches it on their helmet and then scores or, you know, something like that. I, you know, and, and I exaggerate just a little bit, but they are probably the most opportunistic team out there and they just kind of wait and wait and wait. They're patient. They wait, they wait, they wait, and then they take their shot. Boom. And then, and then their shot just kind of stuns the other team, and then they get momentum, and they start making play here, a play there, and then next thing you know, you look at the scoreboard and go, "Wow, they really just controlled the clock, they took their shots, and they beat us. How?" And and then uh, you know Notre Dame think you know. For their sake, they took care of business. So, um, thankfully for Iowa, this thing's at home. So maybe, uh, maybe they can do the same thing. Well, uh, breaking news though: while we're recording, guys, Wake Forest just came back from down ten in the fourth quarter to score fourteen points in the final six minutes to beat NC State twenty-seven twenty-three. So that was a pretty big comeback there for the Demon uh-huh. Deeks. You know, it's hard to seal the deal and victories when. You have literally no running game. Yeah, small problem for Dave Doran there. Yeah. Anyway, it, let's uh, let's head over to Bedlam next. Uh, Okie State coming off a rough, rough loss at Baylor last week. Coach, any chance that the Pokes can slow down your man Lincoln Riley in that Sooner attack? Uh, there's a chance. I mean, there's always a chance. They 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 had a good game plan against Texas. <laughs> I do not know what that was. That was uh, did, my did, work computer. Did Sorry somebody just that. die? <laughs> no, there was, there was autoplay on my computer as I was bringing up uh, some stats for ESPN. Sorry about that. Well done. I was All trying right. to find the box score and see how few rushing yards NC State had. And 
that happened. I, I muted my computer now. It's okay. Uh, I, I can tell you, uh, NC State had 47 yards on 27 carries. Good for 1.7 yards per carry. Yeah, tough to ice a game and play your four-minute offense when you can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. All right, coach, so- I mean, for, for, for Bedlam, though, personally, I think for Oklahoma State to win this, it's just they have to get lucky in the shootout because I don't see them – I don't yeah. really see them slowing down Kyler Murray. No, they, they won't. They'll just have to try to f- figure out a way to win field position and, and just try to steal a possession here or there um, and, and maybe steal some untraditional points with a trick play or onside kick or, or, or somewhere like that. And they're just going to have to kind of get really f- creative and, and hope that uh, Kyler Murray did not bring his A game Um and for Oklahoma, I think sometimes uh, what gets them in trouble, honestly, is the, and, and the reason why they get in so many shootouts, because their defense is by far the most talented in the, in the Big 12. But Oklahoma scores so quickly that their defense is out there for almost 90 plays a game. I also feel like, though, that Oklahoma's defense at times plays like Ohio State's defense, where it's 11-star players playing for themselves and not playing as a unit. That's also another issue. They they either get it they're either exhausted and they might go hand in hand. They get exhausted and they just start and then they just start playing hero ball. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes they just get exhausted and and they just got got and then then occasionally they play like the eighty five Bears. So I you know you, you just you know if, depends on what Oklahoma defense decides to show up. You know if it's the uh, eleven guys playing hero ball, Oklahoma State might have a chance to gain some momentum. Yeah, you know, they, well, they might uh, have a couple of big things happen their way, and here we go. Yeah, well, Josh, I know when it comes to Bedlam, I've known you for long enough that you pick Oklahoma no matter what. I assume that's how you're going this year as well. Uh, yeah, if I picking Oklahoma to win big, even in years where Okie State's really good, uh, I'm feeling pretty confident when Oklahoma State's five and four, two and four in conference. And, you know, you mentioned it, Baylor. Baylor beat them up pretty good last week. I thought Baylor was the more physical team. I thought they were the more imposing team. And that doesn't bode well when it's Matt Rule's second season and Baylor's uh, getting a statement win like that. Um, and and so in Norman, uh, I know it's a rivalry. I know, I know goofy things can happen, but I just think that Ruffin McNeil's getting the – defensive players to play with at least a little bit more confidence, even if the numbers still haven't improved that much. I think they're just in a better headspace in the locker room and, and looking like a little bit more confident unit. But uh, yeah, I, I talked about it for the Auburn game. I think this is another one that could get away from the pokes. I feel like I'm opposite Desmond Howard. He says every game's going to be close and I've identified two games that I think could be blowouts. Well, a game I think is going to be a blowout, but we'll see. Uh, off uh, of their much closer than expected victory over in Nebraska last week, the Buckeyes are headed to East Lansing. Josh, Sparty's season has not gone quite as planned. Do they have a chance of winning this one? I mean, somehow they're only three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I see Ohio State winning by, like, 14. I think it comes down to Michigan State's defense, and for all the – issues that Michigan State has had um, and Michigan State's pass defense has let them down at multiple times this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Northwestern game is probably the best example of that where 
Clayton Thorson just shredded them. But for all the issues they've had at aspects of defense, they still come in as the 16th best defense in points against. And I think they're they're in the top three for for yeah. rush yards allowed. They are. Yeah. They are. And and Ohio State struggled to run the ball against Purdue. Uh, I know that fourth quarter had all that explosion on offense, which hides the fact that up until that point, Purdue was pulling off the upset because of their defense. It was 21-6 to going into that fourth and final quarter. So that's what Michigan State's going to do to have any chance in this game is they're going to have to have uh, their best defensive game of the season and just – a little bit of luck. It happens all the time when you pull an upset. They, they need to get a non-traditional touchdown because Michigan State's offense is, is ugly. It's brutal right now. And, Coach, it's going to be worse because uh, their top receiver, Felton Davis, is out for the rest of the season. So do you see you know, how are they going to possibly move the ball against Ohio State? Well, um, I don't know. That's going to be a tough deal, but – uh, the one thing they have going in their favor, actually, is the weather forecast. I just looked up the weather forecast in East Lansing, Michigan, for this weekend. They have a winter weather advisory in effect from 1 a.m. Friday until 7 p.m. Uh, on Friday. So it's going to be sloppy, snowy, cold, and that. And they have a natural grass field, so... I think it's going to play right into their right into what they want to do. It's going to be a sloppy mess. They're going to just run the ball and try to grind this game down to a nub, and that's kind of, I think, where they're going to get their advantage. I think had it been perfect conditions, Ohio State would probably wipe the floor with them uh, this week. But um, I think with these bad conditions and Ohio State's knack to get careless with the football at times, this could I could see this swinging in Min, in Minnesota in Michigan State's favor. So, um, so the the twelfth man is actually the weather. Ooh, I like that, Coach. I like that. Um, Josh mentioned that you know Michigan State's pass defense, and I just think Ohio State is going to have another game where Dwayne Haskins throws the ball 55, 55 times. But if the weather does come into play, that could be a problem for the Buckeyes. Finally, though, game day this weekend is in Chestnut Hill. And the biggest question is the health of A.J. Dillon. Without him on the field, B.C. has pretty much zero chance. So, Josh, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Do you think that the Eagles in their, in their defense, which has been you know, pretty solid uh, like usual, um, not as great as some other vintage B.C. teams, but still pretty solid, do you think they'll be able to slow down and contain Travis Etienne? I don't know. That's that's the tough question. Like you said, it just hasn't been quite as good. Uh, but if you want to look at one kind of blueprint game of theirs, I, I know Miami has fallen off, but a few weeks ago this was probably the marquee win of the season for Boston College, and in it they forced – two takeaways and they won the turnover margin. And if there's one thing that you need to have an upset, I mean, we talk about it all the time. I cannot think off the top of my head, an upset that turnovers haven't played a factor. So beastie's defense will have to do some bending. The problem is 
got to hold Clemson to field goals. They got to get some extra possessions via takeaways because three and outs against Clemson is a tough order. Coach mentioned the 12th man of the weather. Boston College needs to have that rowdy crowd. They're right there on top of the stadium. Gotten some great crowds there at Boston College. They need that energy because without A.J. Dillon, I'm struggling to find a way for for BC to pull this off. But, hey, it's at home. There's a chance. And it's like dumb and dumber. I'm telling them there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I am saying there's a chance. All right, Coach, do you think there's a chance? Um, I'm not going to be as – I'm not going to be as gracious or as polite as Josh. I think Clemson is on a freaking roll right now. And it's not just Travis Etienne, and that's that's the problem. <laughs> you know, Sunshine has got them freaking rolling, man. They they put 77 on uh, on the on motorcycle Dan up there in the Louisville, and they are just they are just it, it's it's a thing of beauty. Um and I don't see this thing slowing down too, too much. And uh, I think BC's going to go, man, we thought they were good, but we didn't know they were this damn good. You know, Sunshine, I think, is going to have a big day. T. Higgins is going to have a big day. Obviously, Travis Etienne's going to have a big day. Tevian Feaster is going to play a good complimentary role. That defensive line is going to get off. Uh, they're going to shut down BC's run game, and they're going to they're going to force them to be one-dimensional, and BC's not going to have much of a chance because Clemson's going to choke them out from the start. Well, Josh mentioned the turnover battle, and BC is 13th in the country in turnover margin this year. They're plus eight on the season. So, you know, if, if they are going to pull off the miraculous upset, they're going to need that to go in their favor. They're going to need right. to get that to at least plus 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I was being – much more gracious that coach was, but you know, let's not totally count out Anthony Brown. He, he's, he's a good quarterback. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting quarterback. I would say probably his best attribute for a young kid. He, he's just a sophomore. He's got a really good touchdown to interception ratio. I, I know the yards aren't going to wow anybody, but in I don't want to say game manager. I'm avoiding that as much as I can. Uh, but he's 16 touchdowns to five picks. Mm-hmm. And he's a big kid, too. He's 6'2", 220. Uh, that makes him a little bit harder to bring down. He does have 14 sacks. I, I'm going to assume that a lot of that is because he's a sophomore and probably holds onto the ball way too long. But, yeah, but even that, that's like, you know, not even yeah. a sack and a half a game. That's exactly. not bad. But yeah. you know, Clemson's defensive line, though, is much, much better than anyone they've played so far. Probably the only comparable yeah. uh, defensive line they've played, yeah. you know, is Miami maybe. And, you know, they, they handled Miami. Yeah. They won 27-14. Um, he had a, a pretty solid game in that one. But yeah. still. Uh, yeah, I mean – and Josh, I actually think that that, that interception set is a little deceiving because four of those five interceptions came in one game. No, I know. Yeah, that's why that's why I was highlighting it. Yeah, no, he's he's he's, he's doing solid. a good job. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely doing a good job. All yeah. right. Let's... What they what they need him to do is 
have a repeat of his Wake Forest game that he went over 300 yards, had five touchdowns in that game. Yeah, that's going to be a little tougher against Clemson. Well, let's quickly then get through our spread formations. As everyone who listens knows, it has not been our best season. Uh, Josh, 18-35-1. Coach, 23-1. I am 25-28-1. So let's see if we can improve on that this weekend. Six games we're going to pick through this weekend, so let's make it quick. Starting with a big matchup in the Mountain West. Fresno State, our two-and-a-half-point favorites on the Smurf turf. Coach, who are you taking? Ooh, that's a good one right there. Um, but I'm going to take the Smurf turfers, and Ooh. I think they're going to think they're going to win. All right, Josh. So Fresno State hasn't had exactly the toughest schedule up to this point, but they are so freaking efficient. Seventeen of them points for second in the country in points against. They're averaging just twelve point three points against. Meanwhile, Boise State. A little bit tougher schedule, but still not like the most daunting of murderers row they've had to face. And they're just not as an efficient team. I'm going to go with the home, the road team. Yeah, me too. And a lot of that has to do that. I don't really trust uh, Boise state's offense as much as I have in years past, especially their passing offense. And Fresno state number two in the country in pass efficiency defense uh, give me the Bulldogs here. We'll head back to the SEC next. Kentucky coming off of their defeat to Georgia last week. Six-point favorites on the road in Knoxville. Coach, who are you taking? Give me the Wildcats. I think they bounce back in a huge way. Their defense is still incredible. Um, so I think Tennessee is just still kind of a mess right now. That's okay. They're getting it straightened out, but they're not going to get it straightened out this week. Give me the Give me the Cats. Josh. Yeah, a lot of people have highlighted Tennessee's issues defensively highlighted by that, like, Alabama game where they gave up 58 points. The Florida game, they gave up 47. Here's the problem, though. Their offense stinks. They're 103rd in scoring. Kentucky's got a great defense. Kentucky bounce back. Yeah, if Kentucky had won against Georgia, I would actually – I actually might like Tennessee in this spot for a letdown game, but – after the game last week, I think there's no way that Kentucky loses back-to-back games, especially with that defense. Give me the Cats. We'll head over to the Big Ten East. Maryland at Indiana. It's a pick So, Coach, uh, who are you picking? Not just to cover, but to win. Ooh, I, I like Indiana. Um, I still think they're they're a quality team, and they're they're tough out. They're they're the home team, and that's where they play their best best ball. And uh, they've been doing pretty well this year. They almost got Penn State, which um, doesn't look as quite as good of a win. But uh, anytime Indiana can beat Penn State, it's always a quality win in their book. So uh, give me the Hoosiers, Josh. Well, Coach, Indiana may pretend that they play their best football at home. They're two and two in terms of where their wins are. Two on the road, two at home. And at home, uh, they lost by 42-16 to to those bumbling Hawkeyes. They lost 35-21 to the offensively anemic Michigan State Spartans. This team burned me a week ago up at Minnesota. I don't trust anything about the Hoosiers, and I think with the whole DJ Durkin thing behind them, they had that weird week. I think that helped contribute to some of the weirdness with the Michigan State game. 
I expect Maryland to come back, have their good running game, a.k.a. the jet sweep, going. I think they play well for Matt Canada. I think Canada wants this gig. I think the players want him to get the gig, and I think they absolutely smoke the Hoosiers. Ooh, Josh, you are. I was going to pick Indiana, but I think you might have swayed me on this one now. I don't know if that's a good choice considering your record on the year. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to stick with Indiana then. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Who sure? Yeah. Next, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. What's my stat again? 18 and 38? 18, 35, and 1. Oof. Uh, Temple at Houston this weekend in uh, another good American Conference matchup. Josh already mentioned another one of those earlier between Cincinnati and South Florida. This time, Houston, four and a half point favorites at home coach. Uh, what side are you on? Well, I, I like the home favorite here in this scenario. Uh, Houston's playing some really good football. Don't discount Temple. They're going to make it tough on them, but I think Houston gets them by a touchdown. Josh. Well, if it wasn't for that SMU game a week ago, I would totally agree that Houston's playing the best football outside of Central Florida, but they somehow lost to the Ponies, and it's hard to overlook that. Temple put up 40 points on Central Florida, put up 35 points on BC. They have been a totally, totally different team since Anthony Russo's taken over the reins. And how many points am I getting? Four and a half. I think it's going to be close. I think Temple can can hang in there. I'm going to go with the Owls. All right. I am going to go with the Cougars just because I believe in D.R. King and I believe in Ed Oliver and I believe that they are too much for Temple. I do want to say if I wasn't 7-49 and on the year, I probably would have taken Houston, but I got got some ground to make up. All right. Well, let's get to our our, our first uh, of the uh, under-under cards. Um, That is going to be Kansas at Kansas State. Somehow, Kansas State only 10.5-point favorites at home against the Jayhawks. Uh, Coach, uh, who are you taking? You know what? Uh, I've got to make up some ground, too, so... Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Ooh, all Upset right. Upset City. And if they don't win, they're, they're just going to cover. So Okay, so Josh, this is interesting. David Beatty fired, but coaching out the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's actually not that unusual from the past. I, I've seen that, like, they'll coach out, like, if it's, like, one game to go, but they've got three or four to go. I think this is a little weirder than usual. Ah, who cares? It's Kansas. Okay. They'll, they'll play hard for him. <laughs> So here's the thing. Kansas State hasn't played very good football at all this year. A lot of people thinking that this might be the uh, unfortunate last hurrah of Bill Snyder as he's battled cancer and uh, he's very old, even if he didn't have that other health problem. But here's the bottom line. Kansas State has won nine of these suckers in a row. They're going to make it 10. And they're going to cover because last year they would have covered that spread. The year before, they would have covered that spread. The year before that, they would have covered that spread. They blow Kansas out. They aren't winning nine in a row tight rivalry games. They're winning nine in a row with blowouts. 
So make it 10. Well, all right, Josh, you're taking Kansas State. You mentioned that it might be Bill Snyder's last hurrah. You think that Burke Bielema is going to be the next coach at Kansas. I say he's going to be the next coach at Kansas State. <laughs> That's where he was uh, got his start as a defensive coordinator. Hey, hey, guys, guys, Bill Snyder just signed a 25-year extension. <laughs> That sucker! That sucker's kept coach until he's two hundred. I mean, stranger things have happened, but uh, still, I am going to go with Kansas State in this one, just because you know I've 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 been I've been solid when I've been picking picking the Jayhawks this year, but I just have a feeling in my gut about this one. It's going to be Kansas State uh, rolling over Kansas by three touchdowns. Finally, though, we're putting Rutgers as the last pick this week because. Coach, they are 40-point home dogs to the Wolverines. Uh, is there any way that Ruck, I mean, can Rutgers cover 40, Coach? <laughs> I would like to think so, but you know what? I picked them, the, I picked them last week to cover a 30-point spread against Wisconsin. And they covered. And they, and they covered. So you know what? They're hot, in my opinion. <laughs> I think they lose by 38 because Michigan is going to – literally Michigan is going to get up by 40. They're going to get bored. They're going to give up a field goal or something. They're going to they're gonna blow this – they're going to blow the cover late. All so right. give, give, me, get give Rutgers. me Rutgers to late charge and, and lose. Rutgers with the 40, backdoor cover? 40 to 3. Yeah, backdoor cover. All 40 right. to 3. Josh. Well, since Rutgers stunned Brady Hoke back in 2014 to win their series opener, the first time these two teams ever even played each other, it's been all Michigan. Uh, 2015, 49 to 16. 2017, 35 14. And 2016 was the 78 nothing game. Uh, that one happened at the Scataway. So Michigan has no qualms about running up the score on the road. And also, this is by far the best offensive team Harbaugh has had in Ann Arbor. I'm not saying it'll get to that, but I think this has a whiff of being closer to 78 nothing than last year's 35-14 game. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I think that I mean, Michigan's obviously going to win and win big. But I think they only win by 35. So uh, give me my father's alma mater. And that will do it for our spread formations, Josh. Any final words? Yeah, we buried the lead. So last week, last week, LSU got absolutely embarrassed by Alabama. They lost 29 nothing. And they couldn't do diddly squat. They had 196 total yards. They had 12 rushing yards. That's we couldn't it. do diddly poo. We couldn't move. We couldn't run the ball. We couldn't pass. We couldn't drop back to pass. We just sucked. Exactly. And why does that matter? Well, our lovable Arkansas Razorbacks. They had a week to prepare. They popped in the laser disc of Alabama over LSU. They're primed and ready, and they are getting off the schneid this week. Wait, upset when did they get laser disc? Upset what? 
When did they get Laserdisc? They've always had Laserdisc. They went from Betamax to Laserdisc. Oh. It's a state-of-the-art institution. I thought they were still using a reel-to-reel, so I don't the, know what I was thinking. The, the bottom line is Arkansas is getting off the schneid, and Coach O is just going to have to eat some crow gumbo. <laughs> right. Coach, any final words from you? Um, I'm kind of interested on what you put in crow gumbo. <laughs> well, I'm very the recipe, but you wouldn't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Well, you know, you take a little, uh, oh, you take a little, like, big grill seasoning right there. You know what I'm saying? You take a little andouille sausage, and then you know, man, you put some onions in there. Oh, man, it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say, Coach O? Oh, yeah, football. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to end for the night, gentlemen. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in the Music City, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Well, I'm going to go out there on Saturday and kill a, kill a razor back with my bare hands right there and put it in my sausage right there. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.